away we go. Welcome to episode 194 of Auto Off Topic. Welcome back, Brad. What's going on? Not much yourself. Oh, just sweating it out in the studio here. It's our first uh, 90 degree day. Well, maybe it's not the first 90 degree day, but you know, it's hot and we haven't talked about the weather in a while. So here we are. Well, it's more difficult to talk about the weather because we both live in different climates now. That's true. So we don't bear the same complaints. Nope. No, you've been 90s for months. We've been hundreds for at least a month. Um, I also don't have a drink to choke on for this episode. So Excellent. Just I a, forgot about that last time. Just a regular old seltzer. Well, you could still certainly choke on that. I could. I could. Um, so speaking of drinks, what's that? I have one of those social club old fashions. I got to find those. They sound pretty good. Mm-hmm. Considering my, uh, they're a Budweiser product, they're amazing. Yeah. My local, local place didn't have them down the street. And I was in BJ's the other day cause they sell beer and wine at BJ's around here and they didn't have any in the local BJ's. Um, so any project car updates, nothing on the personal level. Uh, I was involved in sort of brokering a deal on an engine last weekend. Mm -hmm. An interesting engine actually. Yeah. Uh, do you know much about Alfa Romeo Montreal's? I think there is one that goes to Lars Anderson cars and coffee. There's one locally. It's red. <clears throat> they have like semi pop-up headlights. So the headlights are half exposed, but also yeah. fully exposed because the headlight doors are like vented, but they do. Yeah. The doors do pop up to fully expose the headlight. Yeah. And it's like sort of reminds you of a Mira, but not as low. It's uh, kinda, it's got a, it's got a similar like C pillar. Yeah, it's right. a similar shape, like a very long nose, short deck lid and cabin. Right. I'm kind of. Yeah, I'd I'd go with that. It has it has a similar yeah. like swept up door line with a similar like C pillar. Anyway, I wasn't involved with the car itself. There's no car. Supposedly, the car this engine came out of had about thirty five or forty thousand miles on it. And mm-hmm. it was wrecked sometime in the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, for a very long period of time, these cars were kind of worthless because they're complicated. They didn't make very many of them and parts have never been easy to come by. So if you wrecked one in the eighties, chances are pretty good. It was not getting fixed. An Italian car, you say complicated, not very many made, hard to get parts for in America. Yes. Doesn't sound, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. So, do you know anything about these cars? Do you know what they're powered by or any of that stuff? I don't. I know that they're very pretty, but I never really looked much into them. So, they are a V8 quad cam with individual throttle bodies. In 1970. Yep. That sounds very Italian and very complicated. But also pretty awesome. Like, yeah, that's going to be a pretty amazing car. So essentially, 
they're rear wheel drive, right? Yep. Okay. Um, essentially, yeah, they're standard like front engine rear drive. They have a ZF five speed. The mechanics of the car are pretty standard European sports car throughout the sixties and seventies. Um, okay. So it, then what I was looking for earlier, it would be, it looks like a, it has GT car proportions. Yeah. It's, it's a two plus two. It's definitely yeah. has a GT car kind of sizing to it. Um, you, you would probably be cross shopping this and I don't know, a, what would I, what would the Ferrari have been at the time? I can't even think. In 1970. Yeah. Uh, right after. Yeah. Probably Daytona, probably a similar yeah. class. Um, maybe the nine 11 would have been the same kind of a, a class. Uh, the American car at the time would be obviously a Corvette. Um, mm. these are a little bit probably small at a Corvette, but four seated. Um, mm. anyway, so essentially it's two alpha four cylinders made it together to make huh. an alpha quad cam V8. Um, it has speaker fuel injection, like mechanical fuel injection. And it has, like I said, the individual throttle bodies. It's a 2.6 liter V8 that made Ooh. at the time 197 horsepower. That's respectable for for the size of the engine. Yeah, in that time that's, period, that's a super respectable number for a 2.6 liter engine. When you consider the fact that you know uh, a 5.7 liter 350 Chevy was making you know 300 horse, so it's almost double the size or double the size more than double the size and not double the output. You know, obviously there's a lot more tech going into a quad cam ITB powered V8, but anyway, they made 3,900, 3,900 of them over through the seventies, I think through 76, 77. And that's world. That's worldwide. Yeah. They were never officially sold here. Okay. So a few of them have made it here over the years. Obviously, it was less of a uh, less of an issue to bring them in than it was it, it, less of an issue to bring cars in, in the seventies and the eighties than it is now when they weren't old. Well, yeah, you had a lot of gray market imports uh, in the seventies and eighties, and that's what Part created the crackdown yeah. and yeah. the twenty five year rule. So anyway, I think it's really cool. Um, I didn't know much about them. I learned a bunch about them before going and inspecting this engine. There wasn't much I could do. We couldn't do a compression test because neither the buyer nor the seller want to turn over an engine enough that had been sitting for 30 some odd years without taking it apart mm-hmm. a little first. So just kind of inspected things, made sure it was what it was uh, and all the important bits that are impossible to find were there. Um, mm-hmm. The buyer of the engine lives in Canada and the engine was out here in Arizona. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's been just sitting around. I went in the guy's garage um, and was flabbergasted, first of all, by the size of this man's garage. It was probably a 10-car workshop, uh, and it was filled with alphas, mostly GTVs and um, hmm. spiders, but cool place, cool guy. Um, neat story with the car, neat engine to learn about. Um, the only thing it doesn't didn't come with was a starter. Uh, but I guess that's because the starter mounts to the bell housing and the bell housing's not there. So she never had a starter. But it's it's super pretty looking engine. It has what almost looks like headers coming off of it. And like I said, that 
those ITBs. They have these cool like metal runners that when you pull the um, air cleaner cover off, the runners look like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, if you've ever seen like a, <clears throat> excuse me, a BMW with the factory ITBs with those plastic runners that crisscross each other. Yep. It yep. has that style, but from 1970, which is, hmm. which is really neat. It was a really, a really cool piece and it was cool to learn about it. And I'd love to, at some point, get a chance to uh, go for a ride in one because uh, now I'm very interested to, to hear them run and to see it run and, and, and all the above. It's, it's funny. The engine's not going in an Alpha Montreal. So, Really? What would it go in? Uh, his plan is to build an Isuzu Billet. That is uh, quite eccentric. Yes. <laughs> well, the gentleman who bought it um, is an eccentric collector. I know him through the world of NSUs, if that tells you anything. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So he has NSUs and Tatras and a Fiat Dino. So he's definitely he's definitely one of us. <laughs> hmm. I was surprised what these engines are worth. I mean, that was the biggest thing to me was... I don't think that even if I had the money, I could bring myself to purchase an engine like this for the amount of money that it cost without being able to hear it run first. You know what I mean? It's You're definitely... like, uh, usually I spend that kind of money. I get a whole car with an engine. Usually I get like four or five cars with an engine, but yeah, I mean, it's like you see, I'm bringing a trailer a lot that people will just be selling like Porsche engines or Ferrari engines, engines, Ferrari wheels. Yeah. Just there are certain things for blue chip cars, I guess that are. Well, that's the thing. These Montreal's for a long time, but they were never cheap, but they were severely underappreciated. And for the cost that, so in, in the circles they run in now, they're six figure cars, but the cars that they were valued with, you know, 15, 20 years ago are still more entry level cars where the alpha has been elevated to a more blue chip, you know, status. So probably due to the fact that the tech is there, they are rare, they are Italian. And, you know, with the tide rising all ships, vintage Ferrari prices have gone through the roof and therefore other Italian sports cars will follow. You know, we discussed last week the the Lancia 037s and that's the same kind of. Mm hmm. Same kind of market, I guess. But all I know about Alpha Montreal's I learned in the past week or from playing Forza. So because there is one in Forza. <laughs> but, yeah, neat. Yeah, it's a very, very cool piece. I uh, I look forward to seeing it run in something. Next time I see one, I'll be probably more appreciative of it than I have been in the past. Um, but new things to learn. A, a world of collector cars that we can't get into for eight hundred dollars. So we don't know much about. No, 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 no. Um, yeah. So let's uh, before we get to the other part that we're going to talk about, let's skip ahead a little bit because we wanted to talk about uh, some crazy auction prices, and we also want to talk about renders. Yeah, because we're getting kind of annoyed with renders. So yeah, they do. Let's we don't talk about that first. All right. Step out of the blue chip before getting back into the blue chip. Exactly. All right. If we, if we didn't even call it blue chip, we'll see. Well, maybe there's a new, uh, 
a new coin. We'll have to coin a new term for it. Yellow chip? Maybe. Yeah. Um, so anyways, Rendu Zakaras, super lame. Hot take. This needs a, for example, because the actual artistry of a render is not technically lame. No. Presenting a render as something it's not is lame. Okay. That's better. Yeah. I don't want to take, I don't want to take away from the artist doing the work. It's very cool. I can't do it. It's above my skill set. It's a talent that I wish I got, you know, I wish I possessed. I wouldn't push things as a falsehood. However. Yeah. There are people that post a, you know, sort of like what if cars, and it's very clearly that it is a, a render and a picture. Right. Um, that's they've made to be a fantasy, sort of like a concept art. Right. So who is that futurist that passed away that we were talking about? I didn't even prepare for that question. And I do not remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So hopefully our listeners will remember the episode yeah. that we talked about it. It just popped into my head. I didn't intend to talk about it, but I just it's similar to that, right? Where you'd you'd kind of take something. I remember there was like some sort of racing van concept maybe a year ago that was done in like BASF like livery. Okay. It looked very cool and very like Radwood-ish, but it was clearly like a computer generated render. I don't remember that one, but that's okay. I'm, um, I'm okay with, with artists rendering things that they do for fun. You know, I I appreciate computer-generated art. You know, I've purchased pieces of computer-generated automotive art to hang on my wall. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem taking that computer-generated art and changing it a little to suit your taste. It's, you know, it's kind of like hot-rodding a car. You want to make it what you want it to be. So you don't actually hot-rod a real car. You hot-rod a digital car that's cool as a piece of art where i start having a problem is before we even get into some of the other ones you want to talk about um, all right so this one that you sent me i don't know how to pronounce this person's name or the website name kaisel salim kaisel salim okay yeah yeah so this stuff's very very cool it's to me, I know that it's computer generated is very obvious to me, but I also enjoy that look of it. That's like part of the look. Yep. Um, but Kaisel but, Salim doesn't present these as real. He's not trying to trick anybody. No, but what will happen is his work will get reposted as real stuff. So if you go to his website, there's a picture of a, a white Ferrari F40 on like the top level of a parking garage. Yeah. And that image was shared a ton when it came out as a real car. Mm -hmm. This kind of thing is so pervasive now that there was a kind of an aqua green Corvette a few weeks ago in Europe that had a very similar like extreme style to all of this at like three spoke wheels. It actually won the Radwood virtual car show. The second one, I think it won either best or real car. But it's a real car. But there was speculation when the pictures first came out that it wasn't a real car. 
And that's oh. a problem. Yeah. People thought that it was a render because it had the similar style to this. So, so that's what? why. Did somebody have to like stand in front of it with the, the day's newspaper and take a picture? I'm, I'm sure it was proven somewhere along the line, but I know it was proven to be real. But the, the problem was is that car came out and everybody's like, oh, it's a render. That shouldn't be a thing. But it's not a render. It was a real car. <laughs> So this is this is where the problem lies in is that we're not trying to trick people. We want to have cars that are cool to look at. I would buy a piece of Kaisel Saleem artwork to hang on my wall, but I wouldn't post it on autooftopic.com and be like, hey, guys, check out this sweet new, you know, Ferrari that's coming out because that's obviously misleading and obviously wrong. And yeah. it, it irritates me. So I don't know why it irritates me as much as it does, but it does. On top of that now, what's lending credence and what's lending like legitimacy to these claims a lot of the times is that Mm -hmm. people are using renders to show a future product. Right. And doing like render drops. Right. Which is kind of annoying right now. Like, I don't know. Especially the, I think what really got us was the Fox body that Ken Block dropped. Yeah, there was a huge build up to this where it was going to be the new, what they called the last one, the Hoonicorn. Yeah. It was going to be the new Hoonicorn. It was going to be the new thing for all their videos. It was going to be the coolest thing they've ever built. And everybody was excited to see this unveiling. And then they unveiled it. And all it was, was essentially one of these drawings which again not taking away from these drawings but man what a letdown <laughs> like well i feel like the past ones they debuted with an actual vehicle that existed right 100 percent. yeah or, so or they would show a concept drawing and not make it anything other than hey this is what we're shooting for never like they had this thing in like under wraps in a dark room and pulled covers off of it but it wasn't even a real car yeah weird i don't know where it came from if it's uh, lockdown related they just needed to release some content or something but they're not alone in this because oems now um i can think of specifically right now nissan Nissan? is pushing around the 400z but no car exists you know it's one thing to have a pre-production physical car or She's even even a model of a car, like uh, a right. scale model or rendering to show what it's going to look like. But they made this huge deal and this huge long video. And all it shows is uh, a shadowy silhouette of a digital render. Like, right. Yeah. You're not you're not teasing me with anything here. You're just annoying me. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, is the models that never exist. So it'll be the 2021 Plymouth Superbird. Right. And it's clearly like a Camaro quarter panel mashed into a 2021 Charger nose with a big wing stuck on the back. But we've talked about that before. And then you sent me one recently. I hadn't seen it, but apparently it had been going around the 4000 GT. Yeah, the Mitsubishi 4000 GT. It's been everywhere in the past two weeks. And again, presented as... Man, Mitsubishi's finally going to get their their groove back. They're going to be amazing. They're going to build these sports cars again. 
but it was designed by a VW designer in his spare time with no connection to Mitsubishi. But it was shared on all these Mitsubishi enthusiast pages and groups, and and it was pushed as, you know, the second coming of the 3000 GT, which it's not. Mitsubishi does not have the desire to build this car. They have no... They have zero input into like they're not going to look at that and go, you know what we're missing, a sports car. And that's how we're going to build it. You know, yeah. it's not. It's not. And then for it to be spread all over the, I guess call it the internet. Um, I was trying to think of a way to say the automotive internet, but just the internet to be spread yeah. all over the internet as something that's uh, you know going to happen is. It's is, not even the internet. It's just funny. social media, and it's mostly just Facebook. Well, it gets shared across these blog websites like Motor, whatever, and Auto Authority or whatever. All these these websites that present themselves as legitimate news sources. Yeah, it's just for clicks. It's clickbait. A hundred percent it is. So this one designer designed this thing and it's cool. It looks neat. If Mitsubishi actually released the images and was like, hey, we're going to make this, I'd be a little less irritated because they didn't. And they told us it was a render. <laughs> But yeah, I, I just I don't understand the the art of the concept car seems to be lost. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. A lot, I don't feel like a lot of companies are doing concept cars anymore. I'm sure that's a budgetary thing. Yeah, because concept cars are expensive. You know, here in the in the in the landscape of 2020, we're not even having physical new car car shows, so there's no reason for them to exist this year anyway. Um. But I'm sure they're very expensive to produce. They're very expensive to transport around, you know, and then when they're all done with them, they throw them in a warehouse until they leak out the back door and get sold to collectors at some point for some reason. So I I understand the technology has changed. I understand that we're going to have new things every year that are going to be foreign to us, but I just wish they would be presented in a more honest way. I, I don't. Right. I don't want to see. I don't want to see renders and be told this is the thing that's going to be a thing. Like, you know, how many years has Volkswagen been pushing the new microbus, and they finally made one? But for how yeah. many years was it nothing other than a drawing that got shared amongst every oh, website? You mean like the world? Supra. And then after ten years, it's a BMW. Oh yes, the, it was a FT something concept when it came yeah, up. The FT one, yeah. Well, that's one of Kaisal Salim's designs, actually, which I liked. Was he took the new Supra and he put an old Supra bumper on it? Yeah. So it kind of called back a little bit to the Supra. That was kind of neat. But again, not something I wish Toyota made or he pushed as something Toyota was going to make. Just a cool concept. But I have seen that same image shared on those clickbaity website saying, you know, Toyota finally gets it right. And it's one of his renders. So I don't know. I just, I, I wish maybe I was, maybe I'm just looking for more honesty in the media. huh? <laughs> That's not even media. That's just people reposting stuff. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, but it shows you how easy it is. Yeah. It's really easy because it, it tricks a lot of people. And like I said, to, to the discredit of that Corvette owner who built this ridiculous looking, you know, custom Corvette who got for a while zero credit because everybody assumed it was a fake. Hmm. So, I didn't I know. know that part. Yeah, I, I, I dig it. I dig the renders. I just, they have a time and a place and the time and the place is not 
to show me the next thing until I have the next thing. You know, I, I think that just happened this past week in a different world. Didn't that what happened with um, the new Xbox and PlayStation? Didn't they really reveal their new designs and they're just digital renders of them? Oh, are they? I don't know. I wasn't even paying attention. I could be wrong. I on mean, that, typically but... they'd probably be trying to aim for Christmas. That's the typical drop date for consoles. Yeah, I don't even know if it's this year or not. It's not Christmas, but like it's usually November. Right. In time for Christmas. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. I haven't been paying attention to them. I I really don't want to buy another new console. Right. The good thing, at least, is that consoles actually last longer now. Oh, for sure. More lifespan on consoles. And to be quite honest, if somehow... Well, it will eventually. If my when my Xbox One goes out of date, I'd probably just build a PC. I'd probably just finally build a PC. I'll yeah, I keep having the same discussion. Yeah, I just listen to all our PC friends, and I'll just build one. Because yeah. <laughs> then it just you just change out stuff when it's when it's old. So anyway, it just it was just a, a kind of a uh, uh, a parallel world thing. I thought there which I don't even understand the design of a console. Just make it a black box. I can hide it under my TV. Yeah, it's super weird. Um, I remember it just being like a big departure from a PS1 to the PS2 because the PS1 was like kind of that like friendly gray thing that like yeah, you Nintendo can, you can look gray. Exactly. They're always like kind of gray. And then all of a sudden PS2 was this like slick black like stealth bomber type thing right right but it was still so, a black box you could hide under your tv yeah whereas the xbox it. one is this giant white block that sticks out like a sore thumb yeah uh, that also of course depends on the ones you buy so you can get like a black one you get a white one actually now that i think about it mine is a black one but yeah there is a white one too i have a white one anyway um yeah and actually, we can thank, I believe, Apple for the trend in white electronics. Well, they, they tried the uh, transparent colors first. So thankfully, that, yeah, didn't, catch, that didn't catch on. It looked really slick when everything was like went from being these beige computer boxes to bright white with like nice industrial design. And that's kind of where Apple pulled a lot of computer stuff. So instead of having these like bricks that we were working with, um, you know, even early Apple IIe's where they looked like a regular, if you you could draw a computer, right? It's just like a box screen, a a beige keyboard, and then, you know, they kind of turn the world in the head with the iMacs, but we were getting way off topic with (laughs) this stuff. That's, that's why it's our name. It is. Um, so we wanted to talk about how, crazy auctions are going lately specifically it's kind of been on bring a trailer well that's been the one that's been happening because it's before the whole world shut down they were already set up to do everything online so and so is ebay but i don't know ebay doesn't seem like it's the place to sell a high-end car anymore the problem with ebay is that it's, it's a worldwide thing without much oversight Exactly. Um, I, in my experience, I sold, I tried selling a car on eBay. Um, and I think we documented it pretty well back when I was doing it. But for those who weren't around yeah. then, the car sold three times. 
And oh, every right, one right, of right. those three times, the buyer never appeared after making the highest bid. Right. So that was super aggravating. The thing with um, Bring a Trailer is it's set up more like a traditional automotive auction where there is a pretty strong um, responsibility if you're bidding. You know, you can't just go in there and ghost bid. Your account has to be approved. You have to be a real person. If you're actually bidding, I think they have credit cards on file. Um, there's a deposit that gets taken if, you know, you win an auction immediately uh, and you don't get that back. Um, there was uh, that cult we were following probably about four or five months ago that yep. was one of the only times I've ever heard of a bring a trailer auction bidder just backing out. Uh, again, I do know what happens, um, but there is a financial responsibility when they do. And that's part of the reason that it's a more solid sales base. The other part of the reason is that bring a trailer is more than just an auction. It's, it's a social internet gathering. You know, these people that talk about these cars are commenting back and forth on all these auctions and they're all car enthusiasts and they kind of have built a, a camaraderie amongst themselves, the buyers, the sellers, and everybody in between this Thousands and thousands of people, but they all kind of, they're all there for the same thing. Well, the other thing too, is you had, uh, for years and years and years, we talk about blue chip cars, which are the high of the highest end collectible cars, Mm -hmm. plenty of places to buy and sell and auction those vehicles. There is literally nothing for, let's say blue chip is probably the 1% of collectible cars, right? Sure. So the other 99% of collectible cars. And now that it's really picked up from just 70s, 60s, 70s muscle cars to including everything from late 60s to the 90s now is what people are collecting. Really anything. There was no place to buy and sell cars like that other than Craigslist classifieds and kind of the origin story of bring a trailer. If you're not familiar with it, it started out as a blog site that was aggregating Craigslist, uh, listings, um, eBay listings. Um, there wasn't really Facebook marketplace at the time, but it was just kind of grabbing all these things. And the joke was that, you know, you bring a trailer to pick the, pick the vehicle up. Right. So that's kind of where it came from. And then they added this auction part, which is pretty interesting. Um, and lately, it must be just the 30-year cycle that we always talk about. Certain vehicles have, are kind of going crazy. And, you know, I guess the people who have money right now have enough and they're confident enough to spend it. And they're willing enough to put it into vehicles that doesn't seem to be worth that much maybe they actually are when you think about it. Well, here's part of the problem. Before you had the bring a trailer auctions, you had all the major auction houses, um, you know, uh, Barrett Jackson and what's the other one? Um, Meekum. Meekum. Meekum would be kind of, again, would be more of a low end. No, they, they, they certainly had some high end stuff too, but they did, but that's where you could find, the stuff that would go to a cruise night, you know, that. So here's where I'm going with this because, uh, Barrett Jackson has that stuff too. 
Um, and okay. then there was, you know, the leak auctions and there was cruise auctions, which has now gone and become defunct due to some underhanded okay, right. deals. Um, and there's, you know, Gooding and Sons and Bonhams and there's all these fancy auctions. The problem was no matter what auction you went to, there was an older crowd that was into the muscle cars at the newest. And if your car wasn't a brass era through big block Chevelle, then they knew nothing about it. They would see your car come through the list and it would get put through the auction during a non busy time. So if you had that, you know, even 15 years ago that, you know, 15,000 mile BMW 2002, that was just uh, owned by the original owner, the kind of car that sells on bring a trailer now for, you know, twenty thirty thousand dollars Wasn't an auction car. It wouldn't sell well at auction. It wouldn't sell well at auction because the auctioneers and the auction managers would put it through the auction as the second to last car on a Sunday night. Right. Or the first car on Thursday morning. They wouldn't put it through the auction when the cars that they perceived to be the bigger hitters were going through. And that's what Bring a Trailer has gotten rid of, is it's gotten rid of that old guard that knew what they wanted and didn't care about anything else. Because Bring a Trailer auctions are 24-7. Your car is up there. Anybody can see it at any time of the day. And you're going to get those eyes on it. When you put that low mile BMW 2002 up on bring a trailer now, you get to see it immediately. It gets shared to every BMW 2002 Facebook group or Instagram page or forum that still exists. And everybody's like, hey, check out this car that's been hidden in a garage for 35 years versus being one car on a Sunday night at an auction house in San Diego. So that's yeah. part of the reason that prices have gone the way they're going. The audience is so much larger and so yeah. much more informed. And I would call these, uh, I just remembered a term we like to use is drivable dream cars. Some of them are. Yeah. So, well, they, yeah, they definitely, they would be considered a drivable dream car. So you've got cars that are, you know, like a dream car, for you or I would be like a Ferrari F40, right? Sure. It's I kind agree. of unattainable. Yeah, kind of. Like, <laughs> yeah, unless like we hit the lottery or something. So it's a dream car. But, you know, a drivable dream car would be, you know, um, what would be, I guess, no, not even an Alpha Montreal anymore, but something. An uh, Alpha GTV. An Alpha GTV. Sure. As far as Italian cars. That would be a drivable dream car. That would be an attainable attainable i think there's a difference between attainable and drivable because some of the cars we're going to talk about are worth the money they're worth because they have no miles on them that's true and then you can't drive you can't drive those i think an attainable dream car is more of a uh more of an option whereas a a drivable car is something that already has miles on it and adding miles to it won't remove the value from it that's true so the big thing that made the rounds in the circles that we play in was the 2000 Civic Si on Bring a Trailer that sold for fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, had about fifty five hundred miles on it. That's exactly what I was talking about. Now I sold mine. Well, I traded in. I got like forty eight hundred dollars for it. Yep, I had one hundred and 
16,000 miles on it in 2006. Right. It was a five-year-old used car, six-year-old used car. Yeah. Um, I had tried to sell it for like seven or eight grand privately, and everybody told me I was crazy. Um, I was like just 10 years too early, I guess. Yeah, probably about that. Yeah. It stinks. Um, when they're, there's so much money now. Even the high-mile ones are more than But even 40 still, a lot of the reaction is like, I can't believe somebody paid $50,000 for a Civic. Right. And you're like, well, it's not just a Civic. It's a Civic Si. So it was the closest thing that they sold here to a Civic Type R. And in my opinion, from owning one, I'm a little biased. I think it's one of the best front-wheel drive cars ever. It's from the golden era of Honda. It just, it had a decent interior. Like it was kind of cheap, a little plasticky. Because it's um, a Civic at the end of the day. It's a Civic. But it had a really nice tuned suspension stock. Um, the shifters are really nice in them because they're not cables. They're linkages. The engine's a 1.6. I think the red line was like 7,000 uh, RPM. It was like, it was a super fun, nice driving car. And, you know, if I had the money, would I personally pay $50,000 for the nostalgia? Probably not. But you'd probably but pay $20,000 for a drivable one. I if would. You had the money. Yeah. yeah. If I had $20,000 and it was like, you know, a, a fifth car to my collection. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. What do you do with this 5,000 mile one? You can't drive it because that's what makes it worth so much. Yeah. So that makes it the attainable dream. So $50,000 is a lot of money, but yeah. it's not a lot of money in the world of collector cars. No. It's so not. to somebody who is a, a car collector that says, I want the best example of every best car. So I want, you know, the Mark one rabbit GTI. I want the, you know, the perfect big block 67 Corvette four speed. I want the best Honda they sold here. I want the best everything they sold it. That's the person who's going to build this car up to $50,000 to park at his garage with different pieces of motoring history that he'll probably never drive. It was that what the Civic SI was an important car when it came out for Honda. They only made it for two years. Mm -hmm. It was basically the end of that generation body style. Uh, it, I remember reading contemporary reviews of it after I owned mine. You look up stuff about it. it. It always had really good reviews in car magazines. It was well, you know, I think it was even maybe a 10 best car. I want to say. No, I'm sure it so was. It, it's a significant car for Honda. Yeah, it's a milestone car for them, especially in that era, which is is definitely that's like the sweet spot for Hondas was the, you know, 90s through early say, 2000s. Yeah, I'd say like 85 to 2000. Yeah. One Much like Mitsubishi, that was like the sweet spot for enthusiast cars. Yep. Uh, because you also had, you know, what are low mileage S2000s? Like, what's a low mileage first gen S2000 going for? Uh, probably 40 for a low mile car. Right. 100,000 mile cars are still around 20. Right. Those are fantastic cars. Yeah. Um, that was that was Honda at the absolute top right even more so than maybe an nsx i you know the well maybe not i don't know nsx is pretty high for a honda right as a pinnacle halo sports car 
Okay, but the so- S2000 had so much hype. It was like this back to the roots. Like it was crazy that this company had been building front wheel drive cars, basically Econobox cars, you know, other than the NSX was going to build a two seat rear wheel drive roadster with a 9,000 RPM red line. And let me interrupt you. Horsepower per liter, right? Let me interrupt you quickly. Um, yep. I just went on Bring a Trail to search what the S2000s are going for. Okay. Um, between 12,000 and 24,000, there's four that have sold this year with those miles on them. Yep. Um, and they ranged from a sale of twenty three seven to thirty thousand dollars. There is an outlier on here that has, sorry, there's two outliers on here that sold this year that have one thousand and four thousand miles on them, and they sold for fifty and forty eight thousand dollars. Yeah, I think though, I'm just talking in general generalness there's probably more s2000s available than nice civic si's 100 percent. it's the same thing we always talk about cars that were bought as sports cars were bought as second cars and they were given pampered lives sporty compact cars were bought as daily drivers um i do see i do see there is a 1000 mile um 2008 honda cr on here that was the uh like the racy version of it the racy version uh the, the most racy version of it that sold for seventy six thousand dollars yeah and the other thing i'm uh, about the civic si it's the last of the civics that had double wishbone in the front mm-hmm. so that and that was like an iconic thing for honda's to have like it made them really nice handling cars because everything after that went to mcpherson strut it made them world beaters over all the other compact competition exactly um it was a specific design that they had and that's what made that front wheel drive better. And I don't care what anybody says, how much power it had. I overall, it was such a well balanced, well-built car. I think it's a special car. Yeah. hundred percent. Again, $50,000 is a lot of money, but to the collector who wants the best of everything, he already has the best of everything else. That's not a lot of money. 50 grand in the world of collector cars is, uh, you know, a set of wheels for an F40. So that's, you got to take everything with uh, comparison to other things. Like this one Civic SI doesn't make every Civic SI worth 50 grand unless another one pops up that's got 5,000 miles on it. Because other than that, yeah. they're all just average use civics they're worth more than a regular civic but they're certainly not worth as much as an s2000 or a fifty thousand dollar uh five thousand mile car i'm i'm seeing them for sale right now i've i've been i always look at them um yeah they're in the ten thousand dollar range right now yeah a nice clean one i mean you, you can get you know three four grand for a rat but to buy a nice you know hundred and fifty thousand mile driver they're ten thousand dollar cars. Well, a Type R went for nearly seventy thousand. Uh, seventy six, seventy six. I think it went for the Integra Type R. Mm-hmm. And that was at a more traditional auction. But again, it's that was in twenty nineteen. It's very different than the auctions of years ago. Even the traditional auctions now, you can bid on the phone. Yeah, they realize. Yeah, yeah. They, it's not this. It's not the, not the same as it used to be. No, but that, that's what's driving the price of these cars. The reason I brought up the BMW 2002 as kind of a marker 
when I first was bringing this up that that was like, you know, the car that sold for three or $4,000 at your average Barrett Jackson auction on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, one just sold a couple months ago on bring a trailer. It's a TII. So it's the fuel injected version, like the yep. best of the best. Um, so it's a 72 TII. So it's a round taillight with the TII. So it's like the best combination other than the turbo, a restored car, uh, total miles unknown because it's restored and they just made everything new. Yep. Beautiful car. What do you think that car sold for? $30,000. $102,000. Whoa. Yeah. So TIIs are worth more than 30 grand anyway, but this is a special car, but not, I don't think it's a $102,000 special car, but Hey, a couple people must've cause it bid that high. It's true. Now, I know we're talking a lot about bringing trailer, but that's kind of what's in our circle. It's what everybody we interact with shares. Yep. So it's kind of what we see. And it's they, they are kind of selling the cars that we would want to buy. So yeah, uh, there's also there's auction results for a 92 Mustang uh, 5 liter. So it's an LX, but it was a notch. All black. Um, had about, what did I say, 14,000 miles on it. So again, not a common thing anymore. There aren't many 1990 Mustangs with 14,000 miles on them. 92, yep. I mean, but basically the end of the Fox body. Because the new one, yeah, the very last year. Because the the new Mustang after that came out in ninety three, uh, ninety four, the same. Oh, ninety four. All right. Yeah. Okay. Because remember, so, ninety three was the Cobra. It was like the ultimate Fox body, right? So, again, these particular cars have been coming up substantially in the last like two or three years, uh, and they were once like so common, and just got absolutely thrashed and trashed and thrown away or modified that now when you have a perfectly stock one like this and it really brings people back to that nostalgia of being in high school because we certainly knew a few friends in high school that had these so there's only one car i know of that multiple people in high school rolled over an example of and it's a five liter mustang (laughs) multiple people (laughs) yes i know one kid that rolled over multiple mustangs Okay, that's good too. He I'm not even. Buy... Talk, I'm not even talking about our one really close friend who rolled over in a snowstorm. No, no, I'm no. This about is other person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's just funny. It's just like a the ubiquitous '80s and '90s like teenage hooligan car. Yeah, one of them actually rolled over on the parallel street to the street we grew up on. Yeah. So. And they are notoriously like not very good uh, crash rated. Like, No, I wanted one in the worst way when I was uh, of high school age. Uh, and my father told me I could not buy one because I would probably be killed in it. Yeah. So whether he was right or not, is will never be found. But, but yeah, I, never I, I personally like hatchbacks. But the notches are cool. However, the shape and design of the car has aged really, really well, I think. Well, do you know why? Why? Because there is no design. It's a very simple three box shape. And right. that 
that's always going to age well because it doesn't have any, there's nothing that screams this was designed in the eighties or this is designed in the nineties. There's no gimmicks. It's just a car. And that's what makes it what it is. It, I know, mean, yeah, to the uninitiated, it could be a Volvo, you know, it's, it's not yeah, very... that's kind of the thing, right? It went from 79 to 93. So, yeah, yeah that's part of the, part of the reason it is so timeless because it went for so long, but the fact and that it's a box than... is, is it. I mean, when when they, when time has marched on another 50 years and you show up somewhere in a 1992 Mustang, the people who are 18 to 35 50 years from now probably wouldn't be able to tell you if it's a 68 or a 92. Yeah, and I, the other thing too, this particular one that was sold, it has the pony wheels on it. It probably came with those, the slot holes, whatever, whatever ten holes, I think. The ten holes, them. yeah. Phone dials uh, style, call if it was a Porsche. <laughs> yeah, and I think the takeoffs you'd buy in like Mustang magazines because they were, they came on GTs, but if the GTs went to like Saline or something for upgrades, they changed the wheels out. And they'd sell these takeoffs. Oh yeah, a lot of dealerships sold takeoffs because they would, you know, put them on the lot with other wheels on them, just mm-hmm. try to make that much more interesting. So, like to me, a Fox body with pony wheels is like perfect. <laughs> like Listen, that's the way I want one. You're not you're not a true '90s high school kid if you don't want one with Chrome Cobra R's, man. No, Cobra R's are gross. Like that's just that was that was the way. Everyone in our high school parking lot had chrome Cobra R's on it. Silver pony wheels are like where it's at. Yeah, no, they're really nice. Um, but yeah, I remember the doors would sag on these things. You'd have mm-hmm. to like lift them up to get them to close right. It's the funny. It's just a funny thing. And they weren't. They weren't great cars. They're not ergonomically great. They're not anything good they're just fun i can hear the power steering pump yep i can hear everything but i can hear the exhaust i can hear the fuel pump I can yeah hear I can everything. Hear, you hear a five liter mustang with Flowmasters. Yep. like instantly i i can still hear them like every once in a great while i have one go by my house yeah they're so rare now but yeah you know it instantly but again this so this particular car is sold for thirty seven thousand dollars yeah and that's because somebody who's probably in our age bracket who's done well for himself or herself has wanted one in high school. And this car came up and said, this is the nicest one that exists. Now I'm going to put it in my collection. It's got what? 15,000 miles on it. You said. How about that? Oh, keep keeping you up there. Oh uh, yeah. It's, so it's, got, it's got 15,000 miles on it. You know, you can put another four or 5,000 miles on it, you know, just, driving it to shows and stuff on Saturdays without devaluing it much and sell it as a 20,000 mile car in a few years. Um, and you can enjoy that experience that you would have had in your high school days, but have it now as an adult, probably not be killed or arrested in it uh, and not lose any money on it. Right. Exactly. So that's, that's why these cars are going for the money they're going for. There's an appreciation for things that you remember and, you brought it up early on that 30 year cycle and you know, 1992 is right in that. Yeah. It's right. not 30 year it's cycle. Right. Yeah. It's right there. So, uh, there was another one, a second gen Bronco. hit 67,000. So that's the big Bronco, like the early OJ style Bronco, right? No, 
before that. I think OJ had a third gen. Yeah, but the same like lift off, like partial lift off top. Yeah, yeah, but it's the second gen one. Yeah, it's a big so body Bronco. It's not. It's not like. Yeah, there's a Traxxas makes the RC truck version of it right now. The one with the stripes on it. Yep. The so, sundown stripe. Yeah, I oh. think like the OJ Bronco, as as it's been known to be, is essentially the same vehicle, just modernized. Yeah, just more if, of a nineties Ford truck style to it. Yeah, I don't know if it is it officially a, I don't know if it's officially a third gen or if it's just like a updated second gen. Yeah, I don't don't kill us on this. I don't yeah. know my Bronco history. I don't know it, my full size Broncos. It probably shares a lot of stuff underneath, but knowing Ford, considering that Mustang platform, the <laughs> considering the uh, Fox body went from seventy nine till technically like ninety three. Well, yeah, edge. technically ninety. 2002 yeah yeah so yeah that hit 67k then you've got the this 85 chevrolet c20 scottsdale 4x4 pickup which is a low miler low miler it's got less than a thousand miles so it's a brand new truck but crazy not out of this truck somebody just stick it in their barn like what happened it's not a desirable truck though it's not at all, but it's good. It does have four by four and it is a square body Chevy. Oh, it's a half ton. I mean, a, uh, excuse me, a, um, not a half ton, a yeah, a half ton, which is not commonly a popular one. <laughs> three, a three quarter ton. Excuse me. That's the word I was looking for. It is a manual. So it's a three quarter ton. It's a long bed. It's brown. It's, it's just not the square body truck that people clamor over. No, but it is a brand new truck essentially, and it's sold for thirty five thousand dollars. Yeah, if you want the nicest example of this truck to yep. ever exist so in twenty twenty, the same kind of buyer that bought that Civic bought this truck. You know, it'll probably never be driven. It certainly won't be used as a truck, but he can say he has a brand new eighty five Chevy K truck sitting in his yard or his driveway. But again, garage, should say this is coming from. The fact that vintage chrome bumper four by fours are just getting out of, hotter out of every day. World. Yeah, and and this goes for really anything. It can be Ford, Chevy, Toyota are probably the top three. Uh, the internationals are going up too. Yeah, so anything that's got that seventies look, 70s, 60s, seventies look with chrome bumpers, super hot. Yeah, so. It used to be that international scouts were like a dime a dozen. They were cheap. Um, I'm just looking at the last four, last four or five sold on bring a trailer. 26 grand, 49 grand, 36 grand, 46 grand, 35 grand. So they're uh, certainly, they've certainly hit their own as well. Mm-hmm. Like, all this stinks because these are all the kinds of vehicles that we want to own and experience, but they're now gone beyond our. Oh, I'd love a, a blazer with a takeoff top. Yep. I, so cool. One of those sold recently and I saved it too, I thought. Just from watching Jaws all the time, I, you just want Chief Brody's blazer, right? Oh, that body style blazer. We can, those are still cheap for some reason. Really? Yeah. What one of those? We can get one. I don't know about real cheap. I, uh, I think Come on, maybe come, get the ten grand for a nice one. Come on out to Phoenix, we'll get you a real cheap one. See, that's a pretty cool truck because, like, what you do, even if you're not going off road, they're like really fun to drive around town with the top off. 
Yeah. Because it's like a convertible, but a little more useful. So here's one that recently sold on Bring a Trailer. Um, it's 14 grand, which is not real, real cheap, but it's perfect. <laughs> so it's exactly what you would want. It's it's what you picture an 80s 4x4 to look like. You know, right. it's got center lines, it's lifted a little bit, it's got a 383 in it, and it's just, it's got that perfect vintage off-roader look, and for 14 grand, you really can't go wrong. Yeah, it's it sounds kind of cheesy, but like, I'm literally, I'm not building it to go off-roading. Right. I want it to drive around like the the summer town that I have a house in. Right. Right. You want like, I'm just speaking in general things. I don't have a, I personally don't have a summer home. Oh, <laughs> I didn't like, know you were buying a 1% collector car, Andrew. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I need a, uh, I need a vehicle to keep at my vacation home. Um, so yeah, we were like, uh, uh, this is last summer we're we're over down at the Cape in Provincetown and you know you come off the ferry it's the quickest way and people were being picked up at the ferry stop somebody had a a um, blazer with the roof off and everything and they're you know putting their luggage in and they're picking them up and taking them to whatever bed and breakfast or wherever they go in their house mm-hmm. and that's really what you you drive it for you can't even go on the dunes out there really so it's just to like so if you, look. if you look at the one I just sent through our episode notes, it's a 79 K5. So a K means four-wheel drive. Um, the normal blazer, it's brown and cream two-tone. It sold the end of last oh, year. 8500 bucks. That's cool. That's super cool. Absolutely. Oh, look at that here. It's plaid. Oh, my gosh. Yep. But see, that's what I mean. These, these trucks are still pretty cheap. So and, yeah, to, and so to be honest, right. most of the Broncos are too. I'm not sure why that one hit so much money. Was it a low mile one? Was it maybe I, I, didn't, I, I didn't see that one. Yeah, that truck's that truck's perfect. Right. right? No, I these these are the vehicles I grew up in. When I was a kid, I don't know if you remember them or not, but my father always had either a full size blazer or full size Broncos. Always. Yeah. So you throw a vintage air kit in this thing. Uh, so that when you've got the top on, you at least have air conditioning. Oh, this one's already got air conditioning. It probably has AC. You make it work, retrofit it, whatever you got to do. If it doesn't already work, um, that's a super cool truck. Yep. So that 79 that sold for $64,000, the Bronco was a um, 20,000 mile original truck. There you go. So it was, again, we're talking best of the best. So now what's the outlier you've got here? A 2005 Acura RSX Type S. I have no idea. I don't know why that's the way it is. Because that seems still like a buy here, pay here type car. It's not super low miles. It's got 70,000 miles on it. Um, The auction is still going on. It's got like 18 hours left, and it's $12,500 right now for a black 05 RSX Type S. This is a bring a trailer auction. I don't know what that is pretty decent car no they're great cars. Lost, lost a little bit of the magic from the generation before yep i'm sure they're fun to drive i saw one just yesterday that was like tastefully modified and i was like oh i don't, i forgot about those cars that was pretty neat i mean this car is ultra clean this picture's at the bottom of it it's never been in any kind of you know climate that wasn't totally friendly to it but it just seems out of nowhere i don't 
I didn't know there was any kind of nostalgia for these cars. But at twelve thousand dollars, yeah, somebody does. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, keep an eye on that one. I know we're watching uh, Evo One. We are watching. We are watching the Evo. That's got another day left on it. It's only at seven thousand dollars, but. I don't think it's a I'm curious to see where that ends up. I don't think it's a, uh, a no reserve auction. So if it doesn't go up probably at least twice that I don't see it selling. Because hmm. this, this is a very nice car. Yeah, it only has 49,000 miles on it. So and it's a GSR. So it's like the luxury version. Yeah, it's got power windows, yeah. nicer cloth. It's not the rally sport version RS. Um, no, Riley Speck, whatever the RS stood for. If 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 I was, it's, it's the car that you would want to drive on the street. If I were to buy an Evo right now, this would be the car I would buy. Um, I'm going to be in the market, just not yet. So unfortunately, I can't bid on it, but very soon. Anyway, cool. So now that we've talked auctions and we've bored everyone to death, um, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Oh, what? Anything else? You, you want we have one more auction to talk about? Okay. This is the one that started this whole conversation about three or four months ago. All the, right. The twenty-one thousand mile Datsun Z car. Oh right, right, right. The one that sold for more than like the four three two. Uh it sold for three hundred, three hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yeah. And it's just it's a beautiful car. $310,000 buys you some not Datsuns. And I don't say that lightly because I don't usually talk down to any car. It's a collector car, but man, $310,000 is a decent house. <laughs> so again, it's somebody that's looking for the perfect version of that car. They've got the money to spend. I, I don't know why. A few months ago, I, mean, I didn't realize that car economy was way better. That car was sold in Seekonk, Mass, too. I didn't know that. It's very strange. Yeah. But anyway, interesting. Yeah, that's one that kind of started this whole conversation a few months ago, and we just been kind of watching a lot of cars go nuts lately, and that's what brought it up. You know, part of it could be for a while the economy was doing really, really well. Uh, maybe a little bit of inflation stuff. You know, money's not worth as much as what it used to be. So things cost more. Um, I think in general, just even regular, we might've touched on it before. Regular used cars are more money than they were before. It's very difficult to find something on Craigslist for like 800 bucks anymore. Right. It's more like a running driving vehicle is like a thousand to 1500 bucks just kind of the way stuff is right now and even used cars at dealerships are are big money yeah so i don't know i don't know what's driving it exactly either people are keeping their cars longer or they just stuff's not worth as much i don't know or money's not worth as much not sure no idea, but the prediction is the used car market's going to tank a little bit pretty soon. So, oh, certainly, because you're going to end up with uh, a bunch of 
brand new cars on lots that haven't been moved. Um, anytime there's any so, economy tanking, you have repossessed cars and you have lease turn-ins and they don't buy a new car, lease a new car. Yeah. So what could possibly happen is, uh, which is why they kind of did a lot of the relief for people with payments um, early on was because they didn't want a, a giant influx of repossessed vehicles because if that happens, then they, if the economy is still bad, they have no way to sell those vehicles. So now they've got all these like one-year-old vehicles just sitting around. Uh, so you're having trouble moving new vehicles. You're having trouble moving these one-year-old vehicles. So it's better off just to help people stay in those payments and to not make it worse. Right. If that makes sense. So part of it, you know, if luckily early on, they were like, let's do another cash for clunkers. Luckily, I have not heard anything about that recently. No. Well, they know making people buy new cars right now is not the way. No. And it's only going to, I remember. Compound the problem. After, <laughs> yeah. After cash for clunkers, it was actually really hard to get used cars. Yeah. Because all the things got crushed. Quote, unquote, junked. Yeah. So then there was like a total debt of used cars. And that's why part of the used car prices went up. Actually, that going back to that, now that I remember it. That's why a lot of used car prices started to go up because there was just fewer used cars. Yep. We had a uh, a dealer in town here when they started talking about uh, cash for clunkers coming back. They reenacted their old ads and they put a dumpster out front with two old cars in it. But thankfully, they took that down. You know. Quickly. Was that the place that when I was out there visiting last, we were driving by and they were putting the car in the dumpster? Yeah. And that yeah. was like last October. It wasn't that long ago? But it was yeah. So it seems like they just do that. Okay. It was like a Chevy dealer. They were like throwing a Taurus in a dumpster, which yep. that's kind of where it belongs anyways. But, oh, you know, most of the stuff the Chevy lot does too. So, yeah, this is true. So anyway, I think that wraps up the episode. Absolutely. I've lost 10 pounds in sweat sitting here in my upstairs room. Sorry to hear that. It's quite cozy and comfortable here in the central air. Yeah. So it gets warm here, but nobody ever thought to put air conditioning in houses. Funny, right? Well, because you only need it like 10 days a year. You need it like most of the summer now because <laughs> it's not the heat. It's the humidity. You know, I, I grew up without air conditioning, too, so I hear, I hear you. It would be fine if I could run the fan, but then uh, listeners would have to listen to that constant buzzing of the fans. So. I mean, they would have to listen to us then, though. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Constant buzzing of our voices. <laughs> All, All right. right, sir. I think we've uh, stretched this one out enough. Yes. You can find us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast, on Instagram, Auto Off Topic Find me on Instagram, Raced in Anger, and Brad, where can they find you? TSISS350. Cool. So quick programming note, we are working on uh, trying to come up with some something special for the 200th episode because we're getting close. So we are working on that, and uh, we should have some guests on soon. I won't give a date, but uh, we are working on some guests. And, of course, as always, keep cars analog and aim for the roses.